Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome, Welcome to, to Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. Today, what we're going to be talking about are tips and tools on how we can overcome anxiety. Now, if you haven't listened to our previous three episodes on anxiety, I'd recommend you go and listen to those now. It'll help give you a little bit more understanding about what anxiety looks like and the different types of anxiety and how anxiety just affects you in your everyday life. But today, what we're going through is more of how are we going to overcome and manage when we do have feelings of anxiety. If you haven't already, please take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. So I'm actually fighting off a big cold right now, so forgive my altered voice today. The tips and techniques that we're going to talk about today actually comes from a book by Margaret Werwinberg, and she has a book called The 10 Best Ever Anxiety Management Techniques. And so if you'd like a little bit more in-depth knowledge than what we're providing here in the podcast today, we'd recommend picking that book up. One of the things that I really like that she does is she zeroes in on what type of anxiety are you experiencing and then finding techniques that work specifically for that. So she actually breaks anxiety into three clusters and then gives the techniques based on those clusters. So we're actually going to break this into three different episodes. And in this episode, we're going to go through all of cluster one, which is the distressing physical arousal that comes with anxiety. And then in the subsequent episodes, we're going to talk about cluster two, which is tension, stress, and dread. And then cluster three, which is the mental anguish of rumination. So for the first cluster, distressing physical arousal, some of these symptoms can make us feel panicked, like rapid heart rate, dizziness, tingling, shortness of breath. All those things are body cues to us that we are feeling uncomfortable and that something is wrong. These symptoms often appear unexpectedly and can be overwhelming, especially if we don't understand where they're coming from. A couple of other signs that are a little bit less distressing but can give you some cues that you're struggling with physical arousal is tension in your jaw, your neck, and your back. But then you can also have the sense of foreboding or doom-like feeling in your stomach. So then when we experience these physical symptoms, a lot of times we begin to kind of set off on this mental search for what's wrong and what's causing this, which then that can increase our anxiety. But it's kind of the chicken or the egg scenario where the physical symptoms can cause anxiety or you begin to experience anxiety and it causes this physical symptoms. And one of the things that's important to know is that these physical symptoms, they are a part of the problem. And so just ignoring them is not going to be helpful in the situation. So part of it is learning how do we manage these physical symptoms 
in order to lessen or eliminate our sense or feeling of anxiety. So for cluster one, the physical arousal, there's three methods that you want to take. The first method is to manage the body. The second is to breathe. And the third is mindful awareness. So when we talk about managing the body, we've talked about this a lot, right? Making sure that you are eating right, exercising, doing the things that really can promote a healthy lifestyle. And it may seem like it's so basic. We've talked about it a lot on here. But by not doing these things, it can really undermine the effectiveness of other techniques that can help your anxiety. So one of the things that you want to look at is making sure that you're eliminating CATS. So CATS stands for caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sugar. Because all of that really can increase and add to your anxiety. So one of the things that I think is important to note about any type of substance use, whether it's something relatively mild like caffeine or something that gives you more of a substantial emotional difference like alcohol, the more you're using a substance, the more you're able to avoid how you feel. But again, the problem when you avoid how you feel is you're just building up a backlog. And then when you come off of the substance and you're no longer using it, then you're going to have that backlog hit you all at once. And so instead of dealing with more of a mild to medium level of anxiety or discomfort, you're now dealing with more of a high level of discomfort. Facing up with those feelings or those body cues right away gives you a better result as opposed to trying to kick that can down the road. The other thing that's also important to note about substance use is that it does dramatically affect your sleep quality. And so if that's a part of the circle of managing anxiety with not using substances plus getting better sleep, that if you use that substance and then you sleep worse, then that's helping to perpetuate this negative cycle. So if you go off the substances, you get the benefit of dealing with the unpleasant body sensations or anxious feelings now, but then you get the next benefit of now I get to sleep better. And then when you sleep better, you feel more refreshed. And as you're more refreshed, it makes it easier for you to do things like physical exercise or making healthier choices when you eat. And you may consider doing an anxiety journal where you just kind of log throughout the week what you're doing, when you're experiencing anxiety, when you have panic attacks. And you might notice that it may be because of one of those things, the sleep, the caffeine. Maybe it's because you're drinking the night before and you wake up and you just have this anxiety. So having that journal can help you to be more observant to that connection. Or you may even notice it might be people that you're around. And so whenever you're noticing that feeling or sense of anxiety, looking back and trying to identify, okay, what might have been different about today or the last 48 hours that could now be coming back to get me in this moment? And you won't necessarily identify it right away, but you might start noticing a pattern over days or weeks or even over the month. So method number two is deep breathing. Now, one of the things that I think is important to understand when you're doing deep breathing is that you're basically sending a signal to your brain that, hey, I'm relaxed, I'm calm. And even though you were just in a state where you had that physical arousal, when you're doing that deep breathing, you're almost mimicking the sense or feeling of being asleep because that's what happens when you're sleeping is these nice deep breaths. And then as you make yourself do those deep breaths, you can actually convince your brain that you are in this calm state. And then instead of sending out signals to your body to get those unpleasant physical cues, you can actually get your body to now remove those negative physical cues because it's receiving this external signal that everything's calm, everything's all right, there's no need to be worried right now. So when we're talking about deep breathing, one of the things that I like to do, or the way that I like to explain it to my clients, is you want to do box breathing. 
And so what you're going to do is you're going to inhale for three seconds and it should be a nice slow beat of three. So like one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And so you're breathing in. So you're going up the side of the box. Then you're going to hold it for three seconds. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. Then you're going to exhale for three seconds. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. Then you're going to hold it for three seconds. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And you just do that multiple times through. And then you're sending that signal to your brain. I'm in a nice calm state. So one thing we really want you to get into the habit of doing is practicing this diaphragmatic breathing. Because if you have it as part of your daily practice or daily habits, then it's much easier to kick in when you need it. And so as you're starting off, don't do long sessions of this box breathing. But throughout the day, you want to do this multiple times. So figure out maybe something that you can attach it to. So anytime you're waiting for something or anytime you go to the bathroom or any other regular practice that you do throughout the day, use that as a cue or a signal to practice this box breathing. And if you're listening and when she said diaphragmatic breathing and you're like, what is that? Diaphragmatic breathing is just breathing from your diaphragm. So instead of inhaling and exhaling up by your chest, you're doing it down by your stomach. Yeah, so diaphragmatic breathing it's where you can actually see your stomach rise and fall. And you're trying to not have that kind of shallow up in your chest breath where you're expanding it and you're both your stomach and chest is going out. But it's that deeper breathing and that's what will help you to really calm down. And a good way to teach kids is, you know, smell the hot chocolate. So you're breathing in through your nose as deep as you can and then blow the hot chocolate to cool it down. So the breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. Or another is thinking of a birthday cake. You smell the cake and you take enough breath in to then blow out the candle. So we talk about breathing a lot because it truly is so important to helping you calm down, calm your anxiety. But even in other episodes that we've talked about it, to really help you even manage emotion. So method three is mindful awareness. So with mindful awareness, one of the things that's important to understand or to identify is that when you're in an anxious state, you're really focusing on the thing that you're worried about. Now, that thing that you're worried about is a future event, whether it's a social interaction going bad or it's a fear of having another panic attack or something along those lines that focused on the future event is causing you additional distress now. And a part of the major problem when you're focusing on that future event is you really oftentimes don't have any control to be able to manage that future event. The only thing you can do is really work on managing what's here and now and what's happening now. But if you're constantly stuck in the future, you can't do that. And so being mindfully aware is about trying to recognize that I need to be in the present moment in order to manage the things now that I can manage and not worrying so much about what's happening in the future. And so when we talk about this in regards to the cluster one, the physical arousal, this mindful awareness, it's kind of like what Tim was just saying, that we're so focused on something specific and that causes more of the anxiety. So when we're talking about physical arousal, when we've experienced anxiety or a panic attack, anytime there's a little flutter or a little shortness of breath or anything that reminds you of having a panic attack, our body can easily start hyperventilating and fear takes over and thinks, okay, we're having this panic attack. And so really being aware of that physical arousal that you're experiencing. But in this case, what we're going to do is we're going to use a different technique 
and we're going to shift away from it because sometimes we're so focused on that. Okay, I feel a flutter. I feel out of breath. And that begins to escalate into a panic attack. And so a really great technique to practice this mindful awareness exercise is just two simple steps. You're going to close your eyes. You're going to breathe. Notice your body. Notice breathing in air, how that feels, your heartbeat, what you're feeling in your chest and your stomach. You're noticing everything about your body. And then with your eyes still closed, you're going to purposely shift your awareness away from your body to everything around you. So what you can hear, what you can smell, what you can feel. And you're going to do this several times, shifting back and forth between what's going on in your body and what's going on around you. And what this does is it helps you to realize that you can control what aspects of your world, both internal and external, that you're focusing in on and noticing. And so when you are experiencing that flutter or shortness of breath, you can easily divert your attention and recognize that I can control not focusing on that and not catastrophizing the situation into something worse than it is. And I think a lot of times with those physical sensations, we can have a tendency to read into them and make them mean something that they don't necessarily mean. And so just like you were saying a second ago, Ruth, even though it wouldn't have been a panic attack, it causes it to be a panic attack because you think it means something substantial and then worry about that. But when you have that internal locus of control, I'm in control over what I choose to focus on, makes it easier for you then to identify, okay, that feeling didn't necessarily mean a panic attack. As I focused on something else and I didn't have it, then what that does is it helps to remove something that could trigger you in the future to feel like you're going to have a panic attack to help you recognize in the future when you do have that same sensation. Hey, listen, last time I had this, I didn't have a panic attack. I just need to focus on something else and then it won't turn into anything more. All right, guys, that's about all the time we have for today. But before we close out, I want to do just a brief recap on what today's episode was. So today we are talking about cluster one, which is physical arousal. And in managing physical arousal, one of the important things is prioritizing self-care. And in self-care, you're going to eliminate cats, caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sugar. And what you're going to be trying to do is have more of a healthy sleep cycle, healthy eating patterns, healthy exercise patterns. So that was method one. So method two for managing physical arousal is going to be to breathe. So doing those nice box breathing and doing it regularly throughout the day, not necessarily long stints, but doing it periodically. And then method three is the mindfulness technique, being mindful that your mind might be drifting off to the future or that your mind might be focusing on a physical body cue and catastrophizing that. And so just closing your eyes, noticing the sensations, and then with your eyes still closed, then shifting your focus to external sensations like things you can hear, smell, or feel on your skin. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, 
chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.